In April of this year, at the peak of the pandemic, the unemployment rate hit a historic 14.7%. That's a post-World War II high. Prompt action was taken on a federal level, and we did see some sort of a rebound in the past few months. The figures in December 2020 aren't exactly showing a pretty picture. The most recent unemployment rate is 6.7%. Although it has seemingly decreased, it's still almost double the unemployment levels prior to the pandemic. Employers cut 140,000 jobs in December, the first decline since the pandemic hit. The unemployment rate isn't looking too good, but it looks like it's decreasing, right? Well, let's look at another metric, unemployment insurance claims. In January, 965,000 people filed for unemployment insurance claims. On January 9th, we experienced the biggest weekly gain since the pandemic hit in March, signaling that we have a long way to get to recovery. An engineer, banker, and dancer go on a hike. They realize how things have changed and start a podcast. Hi, I'm Jed, the banker. I'm Shikhar, the engineer. And I'm Adrian, the dancer. And we are THC. We break down topics, meet pioneers, and share ideas. Welcome to Things Have Changed. So what is the current state of the overall labor market in the U.S.? I mean, it looked good for a while, and then it tanked, Mm. and then it looked like it was rebounding, and then now last month it tanked again. Does that sum it up? Does that (laughs) sum it up? As we were mentioning earlier, you know, we had a crazy post-World War II highest unemployment rate in March when... um, when, you know, the the pandemic hit the U.S., right? So it's been a pretty crazy labor market the past couple of months. Um, and we're seeing a lot of Americans losing their jobs and, and also recovering, right? We were expecting as uh, lockdowns eased up um, for jobs to start returning. And now at the turn of uh, 2021, we're seeing uh, the vaccines start getting rolled out. Right. So a lot of economists pretty much agree that as vaccines get rolled out, um, the economy is going to bounce back slowly. Right. Very slowly. So, you know, compared to other countries, if we really think about it, the U.S. uh, loses jobs and gains jobs faster than most of the other countries. Right. Why is that the case? Most of the other developed countries. Why is that the case? It's because, you know, As you know, U.S. labor market is weird in a way that anybody can just get fired, right? I was talking to a lot of my colleagues in Europe and, you know, the laws over there for you to get fired, the company has to have such a damn good reason to fire you for you to get fired. So it's so different from the U.S., right? In the U.S., everybody's kind of like an at-will employee where your boss can just fire you because you don't look nice the next day. But, but in Europe, it's so different, right? You, you got to find like 50 different reasons to get somebody fired. So people feel way more secure over there. That's also why we're seeing, you know, the U.S. Are, is able to develop more jobs. But we're also seeing that it's able to get rid of those jobs and shed them during times of crisis. So it's super duper quick. And that's that's not 
a surprise for us. That's just the nature of U.S. employment. Yeah, and I think it's also one of the most efficient markets where you have so many recruiters, you have so many like openings all the time online, tech companies and tech jobs, you know, hiring and onboarding people is relatively fast uh, in the US, I think, compared to other countries. Um, I I think I've heard of like 20 different recruiting tech companies (laughs) coming out uh, in the last like two years. I think the flip side, though, um, if we think about the erratic movements of the labor market here is that it's never going to be a gradual increase. Like if you are a gradual swing, right? It's always going to be an intense swing. Like whatever recession we've seen, we'll see jobs dip so fast. In turn, um, unemployment claims will also be rising very fast, right? So it's um, it's one of those situations where, yeah, we have an efficient market when it comes to uh, the corporations. They can really adjust quickly. But on the flip side, we won't be able to predict when things are going to look better necessarily in the short term because of how erratic it is, right? Now, um, kind of moving on to you know something also that's a huge um, a huge driver for the economy is monetary policy, right? Um, in a recent interview, uh, Jerome Powell, current chair of, of the Federal Reserve, was seen in um in a princeton webcast where he was talking about kind of just you know what's going to happen in the foreseeable future what's going to happen to rates what where does the the federal reserve lie um to comment especially on the most recent jobs report right so that just came out and so um that's a pretty important metric that the the fed tracks um and just to retract a little bit the fed's main job is to control inflation and to achieve maximum employment right? That's the Fed's job. Those are two mandates of the Fed. And so to achieve maximum employment, you know, he Powell's was pushed on this on his, his recent interviews in 2021. And maximum employment is just clearly going to be very hard to achieve um, at this pace, which means monetary policy will stay relatively um, consistent with what it is right now. What are we talking about? Low rates, um, and there's probably still going to be some uh, balance sheet implications where the Fed will will keep um, buying bonds to make sure that uh, market is liquid enough. How much are they doing that? Uh, you know, on average, the Fed is currently buying at least 120 billion each month, and uh, these these are short term, near zero rates uh, that is really trying, like Jet said, trying to keep the market liquid, trying to ensure that these corporations have funding, have ability to keep uh, their capital reserves uh, sufficient to get through this pandemic. So what is the, the, you mentioned it briefly, but what exactly does buying bonds in just this crazy amounts, right? What does that signify and how does that play in the role of unemployment in general? Right. So bond market has generally been shitty, right? We can all agree that because interest rates have been low, there's been small yields, right? We're seeing across all across the board for all types of bonds. The issue is that a lot of um, investment companies, let's say people who have like retirement funds and whatnot, for safety, because it's a long-term asset product, right? For safety, a lot of these investment firms invest in bonds, right? What is the issue of the yield now um, when it comes to bonds is that 
the, all their yields for these long-term retirement assets, they have a risk of not making money to be able to keep their returns. And these funds are like, fuck, what do I do? Do I stay in bonds or do I go into the equity market? Which in some cases they really can't because that's mandated into what type of investment firms they are that they have to invest in these bonds. 10 year, the, the two year, the 30 year, right? Treasury bonds are supposed to be really safe. It is increasing. I was looking at yields recently and, and 10 year uh, treasury bonds are, are increasing by at least like two or three basis points. So that's good. It's tiny, but it's good. But um, the reason why this signifies something great is that the Fed's taking on the risk of these bonds. They're buying these bonds and saying, look, nobody's willing to buy this bullshit right now because it's low, low returns. So we're going to come in, buy it out, keep it on our, our balance sheet. But in that case, you're signifying that these bonds are safe you'll have some backfall, which is that, you know, even if bonds are shitty and let's say corporate bonds, which the Fed is also doing, um, you can feel safe that that the government is going to buy these bonds as they come up. So it's also a fear for companies to say, well, we're not going to issue any more fucking bonds. Nobody's going to buy this shit. You know, therefore, we won't be able to finance ourselves. So um, financing yourself is also a big uh, piece of this, which a lot of companies will buy corporate bonds or issue corporate bonds, right? So that's another important piece about why like buying bonds is significant. Just side note, it's not, nothing to do with unemployment here, but um, I, I read a recent article where pensions, pension funds, just because the yields of the bonds have been so low, these pension funds are like, hey, hang on, we're not getting any returns on this. So they've been chasing aggressive stuff and YOLO longing, I don't know, Tesla on them. <laughs> all these really risky assets. So it's it's interesting to see. But coming back a bit to a more serious topic, we saw really high unemployment numbers when COVID hit, right? Almost 14, 15% unemployment. And we've been doing better. And then last month, there was an incredible stat. 140,000 people lost their jobs, right? But all of them were lost by women as a whole, which is crazy to think about it. So there's so, so much disparity in the unemployment numbers that we're seeing. The big one here is women, and we can dive into that. But one thing to note is your lowest paid workers, so you're like your maids, your cashiers, waiters, anyone more or less that touches the leisure and hospitality industry have really suffered, obviously, covid you know, put a halt on all of that. So that lowest wage segment has seen like 20% unemployment. This isn't being talked about at all. And yeah, with with theme parks, gyms, bars closed, there's approximately what 3.4 million jobs lost since COVID started. So big, big numbers. The shocking thing is schools are still shut. Daycares are closing. So there's a big disparity even in gender. So women largely to do with three sectors. So education, uh, hospitality, retail, you know, very female dominated industries. And they have suffered a lot with the pandemic, which has resulted in this mind blowing stat that women lost all the jobs as a group, right? I mean, we're not saying that men did not lose jobs in the month of December, but as a group, women lost 140,000 jobs. Um, 
and men actually as a group gained 16000 jobs so man that's that's um, such a big impediment to what has been really promising trends like before the pandemic there were actually in 2019 there were actually more women employed than men so for this to happen at such a crucial junction where women were making you know decades long progress gradual but progress nonetheless and you know um covid quickly changed that that whole story you know as we're thinking about it covid exposed a lot and and we were talking about this earlier on in in 2020 covid exposed a lot of inequalities and um systematic uh you know gaps in our economy to solve right especially when it comes to who's getting affected by uh this pandemic and it's i think it it's really important that that we're looking into um how this is constructed because a lot of a lot of the economists that are out there when they talk about un- unemployment it's a bucket right similar to how they talk about inequality it's buckets like the inequality itself you know oh in this country it's very unequal this country is very you know equal and the disparity is often not really dissected into which sectors need the most attention and um i think it's important to point that out that is nuts yeah. dude that is nuts how 20% like how yeah unemployment is shocking already as a number right now and what has happened in 2020 and if you dig even deeper like certain industries are just experiencing a type of unemployment that we hadn't we had just never seen in the fucking past so this is definitely unprecedented again 2020 the year of unprecedented events 2021 it seems to be continuing <laughs> I was hoping for a fucking better start to this year but um this is really depressing numbers. Women have lost record jobs. Women of color have lost so many more jobs. So when you just keep narrowing the field and you realize oh okay this is actually the Venn diagram between women of color and low wage and leisure industries and that's a whole big Venn diagram that is all within a big up Venn diagram which is the industries affected by covid it's easy to just see 6% as our current uh january unemployment rate but like you both said dissecting it further uh black black unemployment is 9.9% hispanic is 9.3 and whites lie at 6% so you know dissecting it further really paints a picture of how there's wealth wealth inequality how the unskilled markets are affected the most and where where the focus should be where where are the people uh being most affected and are we having policies and really stimulus uh action that is really helping the most affected by this 3 percentage points higher of an unemployment rate is still jarring because you know if we're comparing 6% 6% is the average unemployment rate for the entire US right so so that means the um the caucasian people in this country are pretty in line with the overall economy's balance right while whilst if you really dig deeper colored people have 3 percentage points higher than that just in general so that's that's an interesting stat you know th- this didn't happen overnight there's a lot of systemic issues that we're not going to dive into but systemic issues in the way the economy works and the way that our education system is set up the way you know underprivileged groups have not had the re- the same playing cards that other uh members 
in uh, wealthy communities have had. And because of all these issues that we've touched on in the past a little bit, due to all of these inequalities and just how this system is not is kind of rigged and not fair, that is why we're seeing these uh, disparities in the unemployment. And it really trickles down and starts with education. It starts with equal access to resources. So looking back, we ask ourselves, what has the U.S. government done to reduce unemployment? Well, in the previous episode, we did break down the CARES Act, which was basically the stimulus package to help address unemployment, help address liquidity issues, and make sure that people could continue to live in a time when everything was locked down. There were four major things that the government did to ensure unemployment didn't get out of control. First of which was an employee retention credit, basically allowing businesses to keep employees on payroll while crediting them 50% of what they were paying their employees. Secondly, they had a payroll tax deferral designed to defer any and all taxes on payroll for employees. Thirdly, they had payroll support. Basically, the Treasury published resources to help assist businesses in applying for payroll support and continuing to pay employees wages, salaries, and benefits. And lastly, they came out with the loan program, which was resources for making loans to provide liquidity to businesses, helping them deal with the losses incurred as a result of these lockdowns nationwide. So we have a long way to go for a full recovery, right? Um, if you're looking for the strong labor market, it's likely not going to come at the beginning of 2021, right? We, most um, economists agree that there will be a delayed and gradual um, recovery, a bounce back, right? And uh, according to a economic survey put out by uh, Wall Street Journal, recently asking businesses and um, economists around the world to opine on what their recovery will look like. A lot of them agree that um, the rollout of vaccines are going to be absolutely fundamental to the recovery of um, any nation. One thing to keep in mind, which which is pretty cool to think about, like credit card debts, I know it does not, um, you might not think it, it plays a big role, but credit card debts are at all-time lows. So people are really paying off their debts during this time, and they're saving a lot. But why does, why does the rollout of the vaccine, why is that the most important driver for how fast the economy will bounce back, right? Pretty obvious, I feel. Um, when you get the vaccine, you know, places that are, are more vaccinated will be more comfortable being open as an economy. You you can expect me to be on benders <laughs> every every weekend, parties every helping weekend. small right sm- helping small businesses with big liquor tabs. You're gonna be asking for your ID, and then you need like a little sticker that says "I'm vaccinated." It's it's pretty obvious. After we all get the vaccine, we're gonna start spending like fucking crazy. We're gonna to go to outside lands, fucking you know EDC, like all these big ass concerts. You you don't even know what happens in those concerts, dude. You can't yeah, just name drop stuff. Those. I don't go to those. But yeah, I mean, this is pretty obvious why it's it's gonna bring opportunities back. Um, why vaccination is is key, 
in this effort, right? And because of the nature of how the vaccines has been getting rolled out across just the world, you know, Israel's close to vaccinating 40% of their population and probably going to surpass that by now. Plan to have their entire population vaccinated before the end of 2021, which is pretty fantastic, right? Um, in, in contrast, in the US and other European nations, it's very difficult to have a uniform rollout because of the orders, right, to these vaccines and the, the countries that didn't really work towards getting the vaccine um, and developing it within country and that are just relying on outside companies to provide that vaccine. Right. So there's and then the new strains and shit comes along and whatever. So there's there's a lot of dependency on that. There will be unequal, unequal um, recoveries across the world. So that's that's pretty certain. At the same time, that'll push, you know, the apps I was talking about people having to show that they're vaccinated and whatever. That's going to be so vital. Right. Because some countries are going to be super vaccinated that everybody's good out there. They don't have to worry about the pandemic. So in other countries that it's not and they're exchanging countries from one that is shitty about, about rolling out the vaccine and the other one that's not being so shitty, there needs to be a lot of regulation on that. So there will be a push towards that direction where we'll see the entire year just fluctuating on job growth and economic growth. As we see the numbers of unemployment roll out and pan out for 2021, it's important to be wary of what the, uh, the numbers represent. Are they representative of all workers in the labor market? And how can we uh, push legislation and push government to really ensure that they create policies that are helping those that are most in need and those that are being the most affected? Right. So in contrast, right, I'll, I'll take us back to 2008, right? 2009, 2010, right? We saw news stations um, financing giants that were coming back and making a recovery, and um, largely the 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 environment was was indicative of like, oh, everybody's getting better, everybody's recovering, and and you know, there's a huge push for financing, and and um, rates are are going slowly going back up, right? Uh, uh, some something that was really talked about when the coronavirus first came out, especially from Jerome Powell and in his administration in, in, the, uh, in the Federal Reserve, is that there was a forgotten population. There was an entire part of the population that the Fed didn't take into account when it started raising rates, right? Now, who gets most affected when you start raising rates? It's the people that have crazy debt, right? Because they're reactive to the shifts of the interest rates. What is Jerome Powell saying now? What is the new direction that we're, how we're treating this recession versus 2008 recession? Well, the big difference is they've called this out during their policy meetings, right? During the FOMC meetings, Jerome Powell has, has said directly, we're not going to forget that population anymore. We're going to keep it low until everybody is recovering. Look, I like that although it's it's really bad for our bond markets. I like that because this reaction towards the interest rates, especially we have debt at an all-time high right now. It's ridiculous and it's growing every time, right? These people who are going get, to get affected by these interest rates are going to suffer so much when they start raising interest rates. So I'm glad that we're doing that and I'm glad that that's a change towards monetary policy. As we wrap this up, we, we want to just kind of point out that there's a lot more than just statistics. Um, in Feb, there was 
Feb and March, right after COVID, was 15% unemployment. And now it's six, definitely an improvement there. But when you look into it deeper, you realize, okay, that 6%, like a huge portion of that is just ethnic minorities, just disparities between gender, race, and so on. So I think uh, for the folks that, you know, we've had so many um, business leaders, startup uh, founders um, on our show, I think it's important to note that giving opportunities to those that are within those sectors is kind of important because, you know, uh, I've been in the workplace for how many years now, six, seven years, and you'll be astounded to see how many smart people there are. It's always a, it's a crazy thing. So, you know, talent is everywhere. It's just that opportunity sadly isn't. So being a bit more mindful with the setbacks that's already built into the system for folks that are disadvantaged is very important to identify and maybe act on. Now we turn to Biden's plans as there is a transition to new leadership in the White House. What are his plans and how will he address unemployment in the midst of a pandemic? Well, he has some plans that are yet to be approved by Congress, but going over them sheds some light into what we can expect from the new leadership. First of all, he plans to increase the federal per week unemployment benefit to make sure that those that are unemployed can stay afloat while they look for new jobs and openings. Secondly, he wants to increase the federal minimum wage to $15 nationwide. Thirdly, he wants to extend the eviction and foreclosure moratoriums until the end of September, making the total delays and moratoriums 18 months long since the start in March. And finally, Fed officials have made inclusive employment gains a priority and have adjusted policies to try to make that happen. This new approach will allow inflation to run higher than the central bank's 2% goal and will allow the unemployment rate to fall beneath what had been traditionally an indicator of high inflation before the Fed would raise interest rates. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show this week. You could subscribe to us. And if you're feeling generous, well, you could even leave us a review. Trust me, it goes a long, long way. You could also follow THC at THC underscore pod on Twitter and LinkedIn. This is Things Have Changed.